Well, hello there. This is Louis the French Humanette. Now listen to me closely, okay? Do you need to update your podcast logo design? Outdated? Or always want it to look more professional with your own business card? Now from graphic design to audiovisual equipment rental, Axeware is your main spot. This is professional service and competitive prices. You can always reach them at 956-312-4823 on Facebook under Axeware or simply Axeware at gmail.com. That is A-C-S-I-W-A-R-E, Axeware. We got you covered. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Ring. Your host Soda, aka Matt Majo. Uh, today I'm joined by Dave Lees. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing good, Soda. Uh, excited to be be here, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. One of my main goals is to talk to people who uh, don't follow wrestling anymore, or whoever watched. That you used to watch it back in the. day. Yeah, I was a uh, big fan, as most uh, young guy, guys were, uh, probably between uh, like 2000 to probably about 2008. So that's all of like elementary school and kindergarten and stuff, obviously. And then I kind of fell off when I got, in, got into high school. And uh, this was a great opportunity to uh, re refine some stuff. And, you know, the match that we're going to be talking about today came, came out before i was even born so that was exciting wow you really are young and to be honest uh the years you were a fan were really great years to be a fan like there's definitely some good stuff in there oh yeah for sure yeah so the match we're gonna talk about today is from SummerSlam 1991 uh it is considered a technical classic it is the intercontinental championship match between Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, and the number one contender, Brett the Hitman Hart. So had you ever seen this match before, Dave? I had not. As I said, uh, this was uh, not only before I was watching, but uh, before I was born. And at that time, I didn't have a lot of uh, access to go back and find a lot of the old old matches. I mostly uh, just watched at a buddy's house. So this was a a breath of just – uh, fresh air and just like really interesting to see how different it was just 10 years before I was even before I was watching. Yeah, no doubt. Like when this happened, I was just about to turn four. So I didn't watch it right at the time, but uh, my local video store had the VHS. So I, I definitely watched this pay-per-view over and over again. And this is definitely one of the matches that stood out. Uh, what do you think of the match overall? I thought it was really an impre- impressive match. At first, I thought it's a little little slow. We're kind of doing uh, the same same things over and over. Because uh, how many times did we go down to the mat in a side head headlock? But things started to really uh, es- escalate. I found as the match progressed, and that I found myself getting more and more more in into it. And I gotta say. I'm a big fan of the coach on the side. I'm always a fan of sideline guys, and I was a big fan of his. You're the first person I've ever heard say that. (laughs) 
I just love when you're all, this smaller guy is like coming coming up and yelling at Bret Hart and stuff, and is like, "What? What's this guy doing? This is this is a fun thing that we're what we're watching right now." And he's just he looks so in, into it, and it's just the energy that he's doing there is just so so interesting. I was. Uh, Draw. I was drawn to him every time he was on screen. Yeah, the the, the coach is a character you don't often hear about because he wasn't around uh, for that much. He was only around for that mid nineteen ninety one time. Um, the coach is actually uh, was a former Canadian professional wrestler named John Tolos. Okay. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. He. He uh, won the uh, WWF US Tag Team Titles. Um, in 1963, and yeah, he was uh, he was a famous Canadian wrestler back when my day when my uh, dad was watching. Wow, yeah. uh, you know what? Now I feel even better about my uh, appreciation of him uh, being a good Canadian kid. Yeah, for sure. And he uh, he took over for Bobby the Brain Heenan as uh, Mister Perfect's manager. Bobby the Brain Heenan prior to this had retired and went to the uh, to the announce booth, so that's why the coach came in. Um, yeah, no, he's someone you don't really ever hear mentioned all that much. No, I, I love that, but I, not to say that I was more impressed by him than I was, uh, the other, than Mr. Perfect or Bret Hart. Can you tell me, like, was there any, uh, kind of like lead up and what was like the, uh, what was there a rivalry here? What was what's the story story here? Well, there really back back then there wasn't as much storylines as you see nowadays. Like the storylines were usually just reserved for like the main matches. Um, Bret Hart. This was at the time when the Hart Foundation, his former tag team, had kind of had um, disbanded, and they were going to push Bret Hart as the next big singles competitor. So this was this was the start of his of his climb, and there wasn't really much of. Uh, wasn't really much of a build for it. Now these two go way back because they are both um, uh, second generation wrestlers uh, with Bret Hart being the son of Stu Hart and with Mr. Perfect being the son of Larry the Axe Henning and a legend in the AWA out of Minnesota. So like I said, there wasn't really much of a buildup, but, um, but what's interesting about this and it has actually gone down in, uh, as a legendary note is Mr. Perfect went into this match with essentially a broken back. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you, if you look during the match when he looks like he's in pain, he's actually in pain. He had a broken tailbone and two bulging discs. Oh, wow. Like you would, I would have never uh, put, put that together because he's take he's taking some big fall, falls. And I understand that like it, it's wrestling, so it's not real. It's all uh, stage, but those hits and those falls are still, still tough. So all the respect in the world to him, all the respect in the world to a, nearly 30 year old match yeah no <laughs> kidding and Bret Hart has said on multiple occasions that he is forever appreciative to Mr. Perfect for this because Mr. Perfect could have just said said no I'm not gonna do it but he said he would do it for Brett and leading up to this uh whenever they would have Mr. Perfect matches on like house shows or whatever they would work around his injury and instead of like him hitting his finisher he would just throw the uh his opponents out of the ring and win by by count out so yeah, there was. He didn't really wrestle all that much going into this, and then he he comes in the match, and that they put on a barn burner. And like I said, you couldn't tell that Mister Perfect was in this much pain. Yeah, I 
uh, going to like how they put on a barn burn stuff. One of the moment for me that really got me uh, hooked it into the match was I believe it was the second time uh, Bret Hart got put out of out of the ring and he comes back with like a uh, what what was it like a a sun a sun sundown from out, outside was it where they do that. Flip and he takes him, Mr. Perfect, to the ground. That oh, was the, the, sun, the sunset was, flip. Sunset flip. There we go. I again, I I'm so happy that I'm here with someone <laughs> who has a little more knowledge than I do. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I that moment where I and you see that impact, I was like, oh my gosh, I was a that's a move right there. And then the announcers are going nuts, being like, you saw the coach, he's jumping up and down on the out. Outside Bret Hart, he's not even paying attention to him, and I was like, I think that was also the moment where I was like, "What's going on with this guy outside? Yeah, what's going on with this guy at the ring? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the commentary for this match was great. You had Gorilla Monsoon uh, as lead commentator, and you had the great Bobby the Brain Heenan as his color. Those two were a great combo, and you had Rowdy Roddy Piper as the third man. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as uh, a lapsed res- wrestling fan, always. See, I didn't uh, know as much and didn't have as much history with uh, the commentators and stuff. But then when I was doing some research and uh, after I watched the match, just so that I didn't come on here and look like a complete idiot, <laughs> um, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I must have just like misheard heard it. And then I looked through and I saw uh, like uh, the brain, brain and Rowdy Piper and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was a... And it was, I think I, only after the match did I start, when I started doing that research, did I realize, oh my, so Soda gave me such a monumental match match to look at. And I'm very thankful that you did, because it was entertaining as hell. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like That's one of my goals is to do like the, the really great matches. And this one is definitely up there because uh, Bret Hart was just about out of his prime here. And Mr. Perfect retired after this match. So this was his last match for about a year and a half. So, you know, he gave it all, all he did, and it, it showed in spades. Yeah, and I'm always, I'm, <laughs> what always got me interested in uh, wrestling back back in the day was the uh, the over-the-top top characters and the over-the-top uh, just looks of certain, certain wrestlers. So the moment I saw Bret Hart come out with that, stupid flared pink jacket and the big sunglasses that he gives to the kid. I was like, all right. All right. This, I like this guy. Wait, this is the guy. Had you never seen a Bret Hart match prior to this? No, I probably had, oh, okay. but it's like I said, uh, you know, 2008 when I stopped, when I really stopped watching was 12 years ago. So a lot of this, okay. Okay. It's one of those use it or lose it thing things. Right. So, <laughs> I prob I probably had, but not with the context of uh not not with the context at the time, if that makes okay, sense. Okay, okay. And now yeah, now now I understand uh, what you mean. Yeah, no, uh Brett Brett Hart, like I've never really up until doing this podcast, I never really watched matches with like a critical eye before. And watching this one through that view lens this time really opened my eyes to just how great Bret Hart was. Yeah, like he was, you can see him in in the ring. And this is something that even when I was younger as a fan of wrestling, you can see just the 
the work and the craft that goes in to what what they're doing. These guys are not only having having to be athletes out, out there, but they're also having having to hit their key keys and do every, everything correctly. And I'm I was just so impressed by Brett doing uh, as he as he performs certain certain moves or just the re- some of his reactions oh, for sure. to when he got knocked out of the ring or to uh when coach when he uh when he had mr per- perfect pinned down and the coach started started making a bu- bunch of noise and distract distracted brett like just some of those reactions are just perfect and i was like this is a consummate pro- professional and someone who i wish i had been able to see live in in uh, his prime oh yeah no kidding like for me the ones that really got me were the two turnbuckle spots he did where mr perfect whipped him into the corner and he hit them really hard once like with his back and once with his chest i've seen him do that a number of times but this is the first time where i realized just how effective those two were just to show how make his opponent look really strong oh yeah like there was a moment where i became uh an eight-year-old kid again and i was like Oh my! These are these these people are so strong. They're going to get hurt. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. And it really goes to show, like these two grew up with wrestling because Bret Hart's dad, yeah. is, you know, had the dungeon in Calgary and trained so many wrestlers. Like they're, they're, the Hearts have so many stories about being around all this as little kids. And same with Mister Perfect. So you could tell that they they know what they're knew what they're doing and like just how much knowledge they had on how to put on a great emotional emotional match. Yeah, and uh, I loved seeing uh, his his parents up in up in the crowd clapping. And I was, and I love the announcers being like, you know what? I don't know if I want to fight fight with my mom in the audience. I don't know if I could do this. So I was like, oh, these guys. Oh, I'm a fan. I should watch wrestling again. Yeah, I I laughed. I I laughed more so this time when they went to interview Stu Hart after Bret had won, and he, Bret Hart just says he gets like, well, I'm proud, and they cut him right off, and Stu keeps trying to get. A, kind of talk but Alfred Hayes is like and back to the announcers I, I laughed so hard at that I don't know if you caught that yeah yeah I caught that yeah um another just fantastic fantastic moment I don't remember exactly where in the mat match it was but there was a point where Mr. Perfect tried to kick uh Bret Hart uh square in the chest and Bret just kind of grabbed his foot and it was just stay standing there that I had a good laugh laugh at that and they flip flips him over afterwards the entire time i was just laughing oh yeah no the the, it was very much uh for the most part a match of one upsmanship like whatever one tried to do the other one had a good counter for it yeah and this also had something i always loved back in the day um sorry uh back in the day i used to love when someone had someone tried to leave and they were like, I'm not done with you yet. And you see Mr. Perfect and the coach being like, we're leaving. We're, we're leaving. And Brett comes out and just like rips Mr. Perfect's thing, gets him back, back in the ring. This was a roller coaster of, of a match, match from just stem to stern. Yeah. It was so and good. It was, it was great length. I looked at the match <clears throat> times afterwards. It was only 18 minutes long. Was it really only 18 minutes? Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, no, it, it was it was very well paced. Like it didn't feel it didn't feel eighteen minutes. Yeah, that was like it felt <clears throat> like consistently we were just going and 
going. If you had told me, yeah, that was uh, that was half an hour, that was four, 45 minutes, I would have believed you just because it was such a jam-packed and uh, uh, not cond- a dense uh, 18 minute minutes of wrestling. Yeah. So what was your what was your favorite moment of the match? Like was it a uh, move like I, or, or anything? Uh like I said uh before one of my favorite things as a kid was uh, the is the I'm going to try to leave I'm going to try to leave and the other guys going to be like I'm not done with you yet and come come and get you. So I as a uh, for my nostalgia alone that was a big, that was a big moment for me, and I audibly was like, "Oh yeah, let let's go." This is only because that was about halfway through through the match, match I think, um, and then, and then again that little uh com- that little comedy moment where, uh, well, I, I I laughed. I know it's not supposed to be a comedy moment where uh, after Bret Hart, he's super tired. He's been thrown out out of the ring ring the coach is yelling at him and Mr. Perfect just will not let him back back in the Yes. Ring. Yeah, that's that was I'm, great on Mr. Perfect's part. Yeah, I love that there's the one where he just like comes in and punch max the ropes and sends heart into I think afterwards. Yes, yes, yeah. Like yeah, I, feel oh, bad I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they they know what they signed up for. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. My favorite moment was when uh, Bret Hart went and uh, grabbed Perfect by the hair and tossed him across the ring, and he slides right into the post. <laughs> yeah, just I, to be able to do that, because he landed pretty far away, and he slid almost perfectly right into the post. It was pretty good. Yeah, speaking of bubbling hair, I loved, I forget which one of the announcers said it, um, but they said, you can't can't pull Bret Hart's hair. You know why? Why? Too many oil slicks. Yeah, that was Bobby <laughs> the Brain Heenan, and he is yeah. so good at those type of, of laughs. Uh, my favorite Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, comment was he asked a guy in the audience one time how many years they, they'd been married, and the guy responded 21 years, and Bobby the Brain Heenan said, you know, if you killed her on your wedding night, you'd be out by now. <laughs> Like honestly, I, I I can't recommend enough to go back and watch, listen to Bobby the Brain Heenan commentary. Like you're you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it, man. That guy was the greatest. Oh, <coughs> I for sure will. Yeah, that, that, I've been uh, sorry since uh, since watching this. I wanted to get this sh- show out, but I think I'm definitely going to be going going back and watching a lot of this era of wrestling wrestling and. Uh, <laughs> What listening to some of those commenters because this really, I think I've said it a couple of times, really has invigorated, reinvigorated my uh, fandom. Well, that, that's good to hear. And I mean, as <coughs> myself, like I've been watching wrestling since the late '90s myself, uh, even though I've known about it a lot longer because of toys and stuff like that. But uh, I find when I'm going on the network nowadays, this is definitely the era of stuff I prefer to watch over what I grew up watching, which is oddly enough. <clears throat> Can you, do you know why? Can you like pin down well, why, I'm, I, why that is? I honestly, I, I, I probably because my tastes have changed a lot over the years. Like, don't get me wrong, I still will go back and I will watch the occasional stuff from like the mid two thousands because there were some great matches. But it's just for this, I guess I get 
the nostalgic feel because these were the my heroes growing up. Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, you know, Mr. Perfect. Like when I when I was a little kid, these guys were the bomb. Yeah, I totally uh understand saying that. And I guess as uh these matches get more and more uh time time between them, they do take on that almost uh mythical mythical status. I can see this match in particular particular going down and being a uh for anyone who wants to get get into wrestling being a match match that they they watch to say okay this is what it is oh yeah for for sure and like you also the style of the match is also different because it's we're saying it's action-packed but it's not like you see nowadays where everyone's like doing all these flips and high impact moves all the time these guys were telling a story and those are the best matches yeah, and they, they – it's a different – because it's not as frenetic as some of the uh, stuff you see, see now where, like, things are things are happening over here, and now they're over here, and now they're over here. This was much more just, like, too – an immo- this was an immovable force uh, punching a uh, unstoppable – Stoppable object. Other way around, obviously, obviously words are very hard. Yes. <laughs> um, it was just like two Goliaths just going at each other. And just like every hit, you feel the the impact, even when it gets a little silly. Oh, yeah. It, this match was like watching a steam-powered uh, locomotive getting started. Like it started off slow. You could definitely see the build chugging along, chugging along. And then it hit its stride and it just kept going and you were on the edge of your seats. Oh, oh, for sure. And with every like getting close to submission, or every uh, every time one of them would get get thrown out of the ring, you really felt uh, you really felt the energy go going and everything continuing to build. And it, I felt like it was not something. I never felt that this match had a uh, ira- uh, a too early peak. I felt like it continue to build and continue to escalate even though as you see probably around like the 10 minute mark you can start to see just how tired these guys guys are looking it's see it just continues to build oh for sure and like the moves themselves like they look more intense especially going back knowing about mr perfect like i'd always known he had a back injury going to this i didn't actually quite know specifically what it was so when i heard about the tailbone and then i saw him take the atomic drop I oh well, I cringed quite a bit on that, just knowing what was injured. Oh yeah, and like as someone who's uh, I've had back problem, problems in the past. There's this great move move that happens near the end end of the match where Bret Hart uh, jumps off the ropes to try and take Mister Perfect down, and instead of like going down, he just wraps him up and he's got him on his shoulders. Yeah, and then just throws him back, and I'm like the control that you would have to have. And I couldn't imagine doing that with a broken back. Yeah, no kidding. And that's, this match is proof, the ultimate proof that you have to trust your opponent. And yeah, you could tell there was definitely a lot of trust and respect between these two. And that definitely helps, uh, helps give, deliver a match of this quality. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Now I had never seen this, match before obviously 
I was, and I didn't know the history, obviously, because this is well before uh, my time watching wrestling and my time being alive. Yes, um, before you were a glint in your papa's eye. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, uh, going into this, I very much expected, and maybe it's just based on the era that I was watching, I thought Mr. Perfect was going uh, going to win this match. Oh, really? And then I had that feeling... Yeah, and I had that feeling almost all the way way through until obviously obviously the end of it. Um, I just when you see the guy with the big flare jack jacket and he's running around and uh, you you're like, well, this guy, we're we're setting this guy up for a fall. And then knowing he was uh, the the champ, I was like, okay, yeah, no, this is uh, building his his legacy up obviously. And then uh, also in that era that I watched a lot of the time, and I'm going back to another, one of my favorite things is the, the out of ring, come back, get over here. I'm not done with you. Almost always the guy who got brought back in ends up coming back and winning the match. So even at that point, I was like, I, my own bias was kind of checked there. And I was like, Oh, well, this perfect's going to win. Yeah. One thing I wish you you don't see it nowadays just because of the era we're in, but it's something that was in this match was when Miss Perfect had him in the sleeper hold and they raised Bret Hart's arms. I actually miss that. You don't see that much nowadays. It kind of because it, it gives like something for the uh, uh, fans to like to get invested in. And so when the arm comes up at three and he does this comeback, everyone's raring to go. I I wish that hadn't have gone away. But because, like I said, of the nature we're in, where everyone's supposed to be this big tough guy, more so now, you don't really see that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too, because that was something that I was... It took me a second to be like, what's he doing? What's he doing with the legs? Well, I just got the legs. What's he doing with his arm? Because I just didn't have that uh, context. And I had... Uh, Again, been away away from it for so long. Yeah, that that was but it's by the time you were watching, that was something that was definitely gone the way of the dodo bird because the sleeper hold is not a move you see all that often again anymore, unless it's like an old school wrestler using it or something like that. Yeah, I I would to see to see this match really show, shows what these guys guys go through and just how tough it must must be to be be someone like that and then like i'm i uh i'm thinking it's near it's very close to the end, end of the match there's a great uh sweep the leg uh moment where uh bret hart uh kick uh kicks the leg out of um mr perfect and i think this is right before uh bret hart like punches the punches the coach and stuff and i'm just the amount of air in between Mr. Perfect and the mat, I was like, oh my god, that's like three feet. That's insane. Oh yeah. He's gonna, he's, Perfect was bumping like crazy in this match. And like to hear him about him at the back and stuff, it's just like, man, like you have to be really dedicated to your craft. But yeah, no, he Mr. Perfect was definitely one of the greater bump takers to in or, in, in terms of making his opponent look like a million bucks. Like he he was it. He was in all intents and purposes Mr. Perfect. <laughs> he wrote as for I, I would love to go back and watch some of his other some of his other stuff just and so I can have even more 
uh, context and understanding to how good this match really is. Oh, for sure. I could give you a list of Bre- Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect matches after we're off the air to go check out if you'd like. Oh, I would love that, yeah. Soda. I would love that very much. Yeah, for sure. So how, what is, so the ending, the, the, the submission, did you see that coming? <laughs> the way it happened? I, didn't, I, I uh, did not. Again, uh, because I was expecting Mr. Perfect to come, come out i did not expect uh bret hart to strip uh mr perfect as well uh that was all very interesting to me yeah for sure like that's one of the, that's another lost art and bret hart was really good at this as it shows how good of a technical wrestler he was of taking making uh taking any move and turning it into an offensive move for him like mr perfect goes to drop a leg drop between his legs bret hart catches his foot and puts him in his submission hold and wins the match like how beautiful is that Oh yeah, it it was really a fantastic thing, and you see him outside, you see him hanging off off the ring, ring and stuff, just pulling the uh, the wrestling garb garb off and stuff. It's some intense stuff. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It definitely it definitely plays into it, and yeah, no, it was a great great ending to the match. And with this, Bret Hart was on his way to superstardom. Uh, the he would win the Intercontinental title one more time after this, defeating Roddy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. And then uh, in the end of 1992, he wins the World Heavyweight Championship for the very first time. Wow. Like the, and this was the start? This was the start of all that? This was the start of all that because up until, uh, I, up until WrestleMania 7, which was earlier that year, Bret Hart was in a tag team with his brother-in-law Jim the Anvil Neidhart called the Hart Foundation, and they were one of the more—they're um, one of the most legendary, most decorated WWF tag teams of all time. Uh, they were really, really great in the ring, had great chemistry, and then they decided uh, to split them up and pretty much push Bret as a singles wrestler. So this was the beginning of the legendary Bret Hart run of the '90s. Oh wow, that's really. <clears throat> this is even. Every time you open your mouth, Soda, I feel like you make this match even more historic than it already was. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely one of the higher echelon ma- matches. And not just for what I'm saying, but for what it it, uh, it represents, just for how good it is, and like in the context of it and the history of both of these guys. Yeah, like I this I feel like we're just talking in circles now because this is an amazing match and I don't really I don't have any complaint complaints about it i just think it's fantastic it's a fantastic piece of entertainment oh yeah hands down and so just to go in like i just gave a little bit of what happened with bret hart after this to go in a little miss been this perfect he retired after this and he came back later in the year and was um uh, rick flair's uh manager and so they had a oh wow yeah, they had a great run up until 1990 uh i guess it was october of 92 it was uh, the main event of that year's Survivor Series was supposed to be the Macho Man Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior versus Razor Ramon and Ric Flair with um, Mr. Perfect in the corner. But Ultimate Warrior got fired. And at the last minute, they decided uh, Mr. Perfect came out of retirement and uh, teamed up with the Macho Man. That was actually a pretty great little angle. And he came back and he wrestled uh, pretty much full time until his death in 2003 after that. Had his uh, back recovered at that time? Yeah, he yeah. By that by that point, he'd uh, gone to surgery and his back had recovered, and uh, he might have had some back issues later, but not to that extent. 
yeah, it, it's always what a good story then. Oh yeah, for sure. He comes back. Uh, he didn't win any titles during his comeback, unfortunately, in the WWF. But in 1996, 97, sorry, he went to, to the WCW. He joined the Four Horsemen, betrayed them, uh, joined the NWO, uh, held the uh, United States title there. Um, came uh, formed a group called the West Texas Rednecks, and they actually released a. Uh, a song that actually made it onto the billboard charts called rap is crap. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. It actually charted. I am going to have to go give that a listen. Later. Yeah. It's pretty funny. And then from there, uh, he rejoined the WWF in 2001 um, uh, for a brief little time. And then he, fortunately he passed away from an overdose in 2003. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, is there? Do you have any more thoughts on the match, Dave? No, I honestly, I, I feel this was a incredible, incredible match uh, with two insanely talented individuals who really put it all out, who put it all out, out there, and gave a hell of a show, even some. almost 30 years later. Oh yeah, for sure. And and to think like who else was on the card at this time that these two guys stole a show. It was very, very impressive because on the card, because like, I've got the DVD, that's what I watched it on. So on this card, you had Ricky, the dragon steamboat, the British bulldog, uh, the million dollar man, the big boss man, the nasty boys, the road warriors, Hulk Hogan, the ultimate warrior, Sergeant slaughter. Like you had a lot of heavy hitters on this card and this is the match that stole the show. And well deserving of it. Oh, oh yeah, and like I obviously, I haven't watched uh, all of the SummerSlam event yet, but I definitely, I for sure will now that I've seen uh, this, and I would not be surprised, and I'm happy to hear that this is the match that seals the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely a top ten match for me personally. It is one that I have gone back and watched quite a few times, and I will continue for as long as I can. Okay, Dave. So uh, thank you for joining me on the show. Uh, Where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Uh, On the interwebs, you can find me on uh, Twitter at least me alone at Instagram at baby James Lee's. And I, if you're into movie trivia, I just started a new uh, movie trivia franchise fight fight. A show over on Jack of All Trivia. Every two weeks, we pick a specific franchise and have a movie, a, a movie trivia match about that. So go check that out. Okay, and as for me, you can find me all over the interwebs at uh, Soda underscore the underscore Saxman. Uh, you can usually find me lurking also on the Schmoes of the North Facebook page. Uh, don't forget to check out our our YouTube channel for Schmoes of the North every week. We have a great show coming for you guys. And uh, this has been this week's episode of Ringside Rewind. Thank you very much, Dave, for joining me. And uh, everyone, you have yourself a good day, and we'll see you later. Great. Bye. Bye, guys. Looking for a new podcast? Step into the Mouse House with hosts Amanda and yours truly, David, as we discuss a different film or TV show available on Disney+. We are a podcast for adults. We focus on dark humor and needless deconstruction of all the films that we love. Come and laugh with us. I promise it's fun. And you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you could possibly imagine so just search for step into the mouse house on your podcast provider of choice
Well, hello there. My name is Louis, aka Louis the Frenchy Monette, and I'm here to talk about my podcast, The Frenchy Watches. On The Frenchy Watches, we watch a movie per week and we go dive deep into the trivia, the movie itself, and also the deeper meaning of the movie. So if you have a couple minutes, just click on it and enjoy. Bye bye.